Earlier this month, we recognized Veterans Day in the United States. It's our yearly opportunity to pause and thank those who volunteer to serve in our nation's armed forces. If you follow the DOC on social media, you may have seen a few videos highlighting how our department has created specialized veterans service units to meet the needs of incarcerated veterans as they prepare to re-enter society. What you may not know is that about half of the DOC's 16,000 member workforce are veterans. I'm Ryan Tarkowski, and on today's edition of the Pennsylvania Prisons and Parole podcast, we check in with Michael Carrington, the DOC's statewide veterans coordinator, who works every day to ensure the DOC is meeting the unique needs of all those who have served. So, Michael, let's just start at the beginning. Can you tell us about your background and your path to your current position? Uh, sure. Uh, I, I guess it started back my junior year of high school. I, I signed up for the delayed entry program for the Marine Corps. And so going into my senior year, I kind of had my career path set. I didn't really have the financial resources to to go to college, but I want to get educated. Um, I have family history in the military with uh, both of my uncles serving in the Marine Corps, one serving during Vietnam. My father also tried to go into the military, but due to some medical issues, he was unable to. Um, so after my senior year, I actually went to Paris Island and reported to Marine Corps boot camp September 17th of 2001. So six days after the 9-11 attacks, um, it was kind of a, a, a tough time. There was a lot of concern, obviously family concerned, uh, thinking that you're going to go straight to war, which which a lot of the, the, the military did shortly after they went through basic and went to their MOS schooling. However, I was fortunate enough that I went out to uh, to get educated in California. And by the time I came back to the fleet Marines in North Carolina, my unit uh, had already deployed. So I kind of did support for deployed Marines uh, during the time that my unit was deployed in Operation Iraqi Freedom and Enduring Freedom. Uh, during that time, I got my college done. I, I completed my education. And following my discharge from the Marine Corps as a sergeant in September of 2006, I started working as a corrections officer for the Pennsylvania Department of Corrections in 2007. I spent about a year and a half as a corrections officer and then went into institutional parole as an agent at SCI Forest. I did the institutional parole job as an agent for about two years and ultimately became the institutional parole supervisor at SCI Albion around March of 2011. I uh, did the institutional supervisor job for parole for about nine years before I became the staff assistant, also uh, the statewide veterans coordinator in December of 2020. So that's kind of how I got to the position that I am say that staff assistant position actually was not a permanent position. Uh, the permanent statewide veterans coordinator position for the Department of Corrections actually didn't become official until October 16th of this year this position, my position, uh, became a permanent position within the agency. So I'm very humbled and blessed and honored to be able to assume this role uh, to support uh, veteran staff and inmates across the state. And I'm excited to see how veteran services progresses over the years to come. Well, congratulations on the full-time gig as statewide veterans coordinator. Why is that a position that's needed in the DOC? Well, I think, you know, historically it goes back to days when, uh, when uh, Otis Nash of the the Vietnam Veterans of America used to tour the SCIs along with Chip Gilliland of the DMBA, 
along with uh, Christopher Reed, who was a prior activities manager from SCI Houtzio, who was heavily involved in veteran processes, who since passed away. Uh, but the three of them used to tour uh, facilities throughout the state to try and connect eligible veterans to benefits that were due to them uh, before any BSUs ever, ever came about. I think they saw a need for veteran services, or at least to, to be able to attach veterans to services that could be provided for them. Um, matter of fact, there was a BVA chapter actually started out at SCI Greaterford by the inmates there, I believe, back in the late 90s, Chapter 466 that still exists today. Um, and that kind of started the, the veteran movement, you know, within the agency. Uh, once they started to tour the facilities, I think the executive staff really saw, you know, how helpful it was to connect these vets to their benefits uh, and provide some resources for them prior to their reentry. And, uh, and that led to uh, the BSU at SCI Dallas opening in 2014, which is actually the first of our five BSUs that opened up. And since that time, uh, you know, Veteran Services has kind of been on the agenda. It's been in the, the vision of the agency. How can we enhance this? Uh, early on, it was more directed for the inmate population. But since then, we've made strides to appreciate and honor our staff members as well. I think really what brought the, the employee, the, the veteran employee into, into the eyes of the agency was the governor's recognition campaign that started in 2019 for staff members that had prior service in an agency under the governor's jurisdiction. And when that report came out, you know, back at that time, I think we had somewhere in the neighborhood of 8,000 staff members that were actively working between DOC, probation and parole that, uh, that had prior service. And so seeing that number really caught the eye of our leadership under Secretary Wetzel, and they knew that we needed to do more. And, I, and ultimately, I think that's what helped lead to the, the veteran employee positions that we now find within the agency. So I think between the inmate and the staff population, we recognize the need is great, the numbers are great, and anything that we can do to you know appreciate and honor those that have served our country and taken that oath uh, whether staff member or inmate services we can provide, information that we can give that benefit them or their families, it's incumbent upon us as an agency to make sure that we're uh, taking those steps to the best of our abilities. And you can learn from each other, right? What works at one facility might work at another. We just uh, last month talked with Tammy McGranahan from SCI Mercer, the uh, unit manager for the Veterans Service Unit up there. And it uh, seems like they are, are the, the entire staff and the inmate population really um, – have gravitated toward that unit and and working together to make it make it a success. What is different about a VSU than a typical unit at a facility? Well, like most of the specialized units within the department, um, these units are are built and and created with the intent to um, impact reentry in a positive fashion. So, with all of the specialized units, that's the goal. Specifically for a veteran service unit, the goal is to be able to get these veterans together, uh, build off of that esprit de corps, that common denominator, where they all kind of have a, a background that they can connect with, that they can help each other out, but also streamline uh, the processes for veteran services, whether that's uh, getting compensation and pension exams uh, completed within a facility, bringing in local uh, resources organizations uh, to promote em employment, to promote housing, uh, for veterans that are in need of certain reentry resources. Uh, just common information, you know, legislatively, there's constantly bills uh, funding federal grants, state grants, 
aimed at veteran services. So being able to get that information straight to the veteran population, uh, specifically on these VDSUs, you know, is kind of, you know, our primary goal. So that way, when it is time for them to get within that, you know, 24 to 36 months of their release or potential release, we want to make sure that we have an individualized plan for each of the veterans based upon their specific needs. Uh, so that way, when they reenter the community, they're going to go out there best set for having a, a employment plan, a positive housing support plan, financial resources, whether that's through uh, military related disability, uh, pensions that they may already be receiving, or just through a job that they have lined up because many employers are actually seeking to hire veteran specific populations, you know, once they get released back into the community. So you mentioned the different programs, maybe services available at the local, state and federal level because of that veterans designation. When these men and women are in the facilities, do incarcerated veterans have different needs than a typical inmate? Sure. I mean, uh, veterans in general, I mean, this could go with staff members, inmates, um, you know, there's very specific trauma that that comes with, especially with combat disabled veterans or veterans that have been through combat that don't have any disabilities that just suffer from PTSD or TBI. Uh, we have a, a, a pretty high significance rate of TBI and PTSD within our veteran population. So there's certain care programs uh, that that can specifically work with those populations to help out with their mental health issues. Uh, compounding with that is when you get a group of veterans together and, and outside of the general population inmates, they, they feel uh, like they're in a safer environment. They're more able to open up, share their experience, learn from one another, understand that they're not alone. And through all of that, it really helps, you know, their healing process. But it's just not about, uh, you know, disability, PTSD, mental health. Uh, really what we find is grouping the veteran population together. It's taking that intrinsic need to belong that we see in the inmate population and using that in a positive uh, outlet. By grouping these inmates up, they hold each other accountable. They support each other. They have a common bond. Uh, They feel the sense of belonging to a brotherhood that actually has a positive outlook and a positive desire to go back out to the community and do better. There's a certain amount of embarrassment and shame that comes with a veteran that gets incarcerated. They, you know, some of them go from feeling like a hero to a zero per se, and, and they feel ashamed and embarrassed. You know, some of them don't even want to admit that they served in the military. Uh, but what these units really do is focus on that population and say, hey, listen, you served our country, you took an oath, and uh, you deserve a second chance. And so in providing that second chance, we're going to give you the the best resources, the, the most information, and uh, we're going to help you, you know, whether it's with, like we talked about, you know, employment housing, but, you know, we have greenhouses at some of our VSUs where some of these inmates can learn how to, you know, uh, grow plants, operate within a greenhouse, you know, and we're working on possibly obtaining a certification program for that. We have CDL uh, programs within VSUs where they can basically do everything outside of taking that driver's test to be CDL certified when they get out of prison. You touched on SCI Mercer, you know, they they opened an American Legion post, and I know we have a, a podcast or video coming out that's going to be on the DOC site uh, for that, so I don't want to get too much into that, but opening their own post at SCI Mercer, that's a huge deal. And uh, and ultimately that post is going to uh, be named in honor of a fallen soldier who was a sergeant at SCI Albion. So we have some really exciting things going on that our veterans are a part of, and not just a part of, 
the reality is it's the inmate population that really runs these VSUs. Our staff members do a great job facilitating, trying to bring in the resources necessary for positive reentry. Uh, but it's those uh, those inmates, especially those life inmates that we have on those units that really maintain program fidelity, that lead a lot of the trainings and groups and programs on the unit, that bring in the younger generation of inmates or veterans that are coming through the doors and kind of getting them uh, in tune with what's going on on the unit, letting them know, you know, like if you do A, B, and C, you can expect A, B, and C back from the staff and the resources that we have coming in. And they really do a great job at maintaining these units and keeping a positive outlook and spreading a good word that is now reaching out to other institutions to make veteran inmates that are in SCIs that don't currently have a VSU raise their hand and say, hey, I think I'd like to be a part of that. And that's ideally what our goal is. We want inmates to want to come to the veteran service units, not because they hear that there's an ice machine there or not because they hear that they play bingo and they have prizes or they we want them to come to these veteran service units because they want to grow as an individual. They want to be surrounded by people that they have a common bond with, that they can uh, become a more positive uh, person at the unit and ultimately become a better citizen when they come out to the community. Uh, because ultimately those taxpayer dollars that are keeping our inmates incarcerated uh, are put to best use when that inmate is given the resources and the information needed to come out be a positive, productive, tax-paying citizen, and doesn't come back to a, to an institution as as a reoffender. I've got to admit, Michael, we're talking with Michael Carrington. He's the statewide veterans coordinator for the Pennsylvania Department of Corrections. I'm sitting here smiling as as you're talking about veteran service unit because I can tell in your voice and just the way you talk about them how much they mean to you. What are you most proud of with the VSUs? Well, I think the thing that uh, we can be most proud of is we have a team now, like we have a dedicated team of full-time veteran employees within our agency that are doing everything that they can to make sure that both staff and inmate veterans are not forgotten. Uh, information and resources are given to them that they may have never heard about, they may not have been privy for. And we have an executive staff, like our leadership within the agency is the reason that all of this is able to take place. We went from zero veteran positions within our agency mid 2021 to now I'm the sixth full-time veteran uh, employee position within the agency. And so without having an executive staff that supports the cause, both for the staff and inmate side, and without having the right team get assembled statewide, our veteran service program would be, you know, what it was before, which, which for many years was a great idea with great intentions that never came to fruition because the time, the resources, and the manpower wasn't there. We now have all of those in place, and we're moving full steam ahead with full support of our administration. So we have so many great collaborations going on with outside partners. You know, we're looking into uh, Syracuse University possibly coming in to provide educational services, not just to the inmate population, but to staff members and their family members. We're uh, looking into entering with a MOU with the Department of Agriculture, who's pledged $100,000 of grant money in order to come into our institutions and and do repairs for greenhouses that we have at some of our SU, uh, VSUs in order to create more jobs, to create, like we talked about, a possible certification program for inmates that can go out and, and pursue a career in that field. Uh, we have 
the CDL program that we talked about that's currently at, uh, in Houtsdale and I believe Dallas, but we're looking to put that into every one of our VSUs. And right now our executive staff is, is, is working on bringing in a simulator so we can have the, all that for, for our veteran service uh, unit. So we have a lot of great things on the horizon. We have so many outside agencies that want to partner with corrections uh, because they know the amount of veterans that we have and they know the amount of resources that we need and they want to be a part of that positive change. Uh, so the outlook is great, you know, for, for veteran services. So in a nutshell, at a very long winded answer, the thing I'm most proud of is regarding our agency is the commitment to those who serve and not just saying that we're going to be committed, but actually putting, you know, putting it down on paper with with five, you know, veteran service manager positions and now the statewide coordinator position. It really shows that they're putting their money where their mouth is and they're committed long term. Uh, to serving the veterans within the agency. It's interesting to me when you talk about the resources that have been committed to veteran service units and beyond. You know, one of uh, Kurt Bope, our executive producer for this podcast, one of his primary duties is the DOC social media pages. And I was just on our Facebook page where we, as we're recording today, had posted about uh, inmate graduation. These guys getting their GEDs, CSDs, and uh, some other certifications. And then we've always got that one commenter who wants to chime in and say, who's paying for all this? And it always makes me roll my eyes because to me, you know, we we're in this every day. We're doing it every day. We, you know, kind of just know intrinsically the value of preventing recidivism and the support and the, you know, the programming that helps people get a better life when, you know, 90, 95% of the incarcerated people in Pennsylvania are going to be returning to the communities someday. So I don't know that we do a good enough job, and I'm talking about we, my office personally, of of communicating those benefits. Beyond that kind of duty to those who served our country, how do these types of programs and, and your work, individualized treatment, uh, benefit you know, people outside of the DOC, the general taxpayers or the community? Well, I think the major benefit is, as you said, 90 to 95% are coming out, which means at some point, uh, odds are that somebody's going to have a neighbor that was incarcerated for a crime that they may not be very proud of. And the community might be hesitant with or might be, you know, afraid of or, or scared to admit that, you know, so-and-so just moved in next door to me and I know he was in state prison. Now I, I'm worried. So the best thing that we can do for those taxpayers and the community members is to ensure not just with our veteran population, but we see this within our agency statewide, is when we identify a population that has a specific need or a specific range of needs, and we identify what those needs are and how we can positively impact those needs, we get them into these specialized units. For veteran services specifically, we put them into a unit where we can canvas uh, and interview them upon reception to the unit, find out what their individual needs are. Are they mental health needs, employment needs? Um, maybe someone just needs some help as far as social uh, interaction. So whatever those needs are, we develop a game plan because the more needs that we can positively impact before they roll out that door, the less likelihood is that they're going to come back. And right now we're just start a, a, a statewide in-depth, you know, we uh, recidivism, we, we're going to start tracking that now that our VSUs are up and running and there's some kind of uniformity to what we have in our program statewide. But based upon, you know, prior results and prior tracking, even though it's not the official quote unquote DOC recidivism tracking method, what we've seen is those VSU leaders who have tracked the inmates that have left their VSU into the population have a much lower recidivism than those um, from general population. 
Now, on one hand, we'd expect to see that because these inmates have served their country. They have some kind of discipline and structure in their background that a lot of people coming into state the first time have never had. So we would expect some variance or some lowering of a recidivism rate for a veteran in general. What we're really going to measure as an agency is uh, a veteran that is in a, not in a VSU facility or in a VSU unit versus those VSU inmates that are getting these specialized programs um, and workshops. And we really want to measure because we believe that our recidivism is going to be uh, such, you know, it's going to be so incredibly lower that that's going to be an incentive not just to bring inmates into our VSUs, but to increase, you know, the number of VSUs that we have statewide. Um, that's the best give back that we can get to the community. It's not measurable. For every good decision that's made by somebody that's been influenced by one of our veteran service units, there is no way to tabulate it or score it. What we know is the services that we are now providing to those inmates walking out the door is um, is going to definitely benefit. It's definitely going to lead to better outcomes, lower recidivism. We've seen it in the increased parole rates. We've seen it by inmates that have called back once they're out on parole and, and talked to one of the VSU leaders or myself to say, this is how the program helped me. This is where I was at. I was in a position where I lost a job and you know, prior to coming to a VSU, I would have immediately went and reoffended. But now I know that the resources that are in my community, I know where they are. I had the contact numbers before I left. I had points of contact names who were willing to help me out before I walked out the door. And ultimately, that's our give back to the community as an agency. Basically trying to create better neighbors and coworkers, right? Absolutely. Talking about those support systems that are out there for the veterans, uh, I want to give a quick shout out to the Department of Military and Veterans Affairs. I know you work closely with the DMVA, correct? Yeah, none of this would really be possible without the DMVA. I can say personally, when I assume uh, the, the statewide veteran position back in December of 2020, um, I had no idea about the resources that were available. And I can say that the veteran staff members that that have been hired the veteran service unit managers that were hired in 2021 all of us as a collective once we got put in these positions where we could really focus on veteran services had so many meetings video conferences face-to-face -face chats with uh, leadership and regional uh the 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 regional outreach coordinators for the dmba it was like uh, a crash course you know history lesson as far as what they have to offer the services they provide uh, and it's amazing. I mean, they bring in their mobile outreach buses to our facilities uh, to meet with staff members. Uh, they come into our institutions to meet with inmates. Uh, they coordinate speakers. They they connect us with resources for those inmates that may not fall under uh, VA care. Um, they are an endless resource list for us uh, that not just help our, our inmate population by any means, but also help our staff and help our coordinators that are uh, connecting the veterans to those resources. So the DMBA is connected in everything that we do, every move that we make. Um, you know, one of the biggest things that has helped our agency is the Governor's Advisory Council for Veteran Services, which the DMBA has taken a lead as far as connecting so many of different um, state agencies under the governor's jurisdiction that have vested interest in veteran services and bringing them together to the table where we have these quarterly meetings. You express your needs. And undoubtedly, somebody from another state agency is saying, hey, we can help you guys there. Hey, let me give you this person's name or contact information, and they can help with that specific issue. And because of that uh, collaboration and coordination, 
um, the, the benefits and the resources and the information we're able to currently provide our staff and inmates has grown you know, exponentially. And, and we're just still scratching the service. We're a year into this new vision, this new uh, team, the services that we're providing. So we're really just getting started. And on a staff level, you know, we talked a lot about inmates. You know, we held our, our first agency um, veteran employee symposium in SCI Albion this past July. And it was specifically geared for staff veterans from SCI Albion and the surrounding SCIs and the supervision staff from state parole in the surrounding district office. And our goal moving forward is twice a year, we're gonna move cross regionally and provide these veteran staff symposiums where we're gonna bring in specific resources for staff members and their families that they can utilize that they may not know about, whether it's the county VA directors to talk about disability claims or the DMVA to talk about the discharge upgrade process or the VA to talk about healthcare that's out there or PA Bar Association that's willing to do wills for heroes or offer uh, power of attorney for our staff members or recreational organizations that do trips or provide discounts for veterans or, or veteran family members. So we're really geared uh, in this next year to tackle and, and really start providing much more staff outreach. Because what we're seeing a lot of times is the staff members are kind of where the inmates were several years ago. The inmates started to hear about veteran services being a big initiative. They got excited, um, but then, you know, because of COVID and because of the lack of manpower, certain things didn't come to fruition, even though the intention was there and they kind of lost interest and said it was, it wasn't what it was made out to be. And now we're proving, you know, that now that we have those things in place, we're working our way through COVID that we can offer those. And that's what we're seeing with staff members. They've seen so many resources and so much time being devoted to these veteran inmates that they're sitting back and saying, hey, you know, like, here we are. You know, we're the ones that are working. We're the ones that work through COVID. We're the ones that are, you know, coming in each and every day, clocking in, clocking out, working a high stress job. You know, what about us? And so we want to make sure they know they're not forgotten about in the process. So as statewide veterans coordinator, you kind of have your hand on, on both sides of the fence, right? The employee wellness side and the uh, incarcerated people wellness side. No, absolutely. And when you talk about, you know, zero positions for veterans, you know, a couple of years ago versus six now, that's 600 percent better opportunity to to provide that outreach to both staff and inmates. And in our agency, I think this last I just got the list for the uh, military recognition campaign. And, and currently we're sitting at right about 6,000 active staff members between the DOC and parole that are former veterans. So the, 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 the pool of veterans that we, that we have to serve is great. Um, so when I say we're just scratching the surface, that's literally what we're doing. Um, so ideally, you know, moving forward within our agency for veteran service, it's not just about creating new veteran positions, but it's really about identifying how we can best serve that population uh, staff and inmate wise to get their buy-in because I know one of the early goals that we had as a team is there's so many reasons uh, for there to be divisiveness between security staff that we say the gray shirts or the corrections officers and the in the brown shirts the inmates you know the population inmates come in and it's like they, they got to jump right into that unit and, and it becomes an us versus you mentality and sometimes we see that on the security side as well uh, we're constantly looking as an agency as a way to kind of uh, ease that divisiveness and ease that tension. And in my mind, I don't see any better common denominator across our agency than veteran services. We're talking nine to 10,000 between staff members and inmates that we have something in common. 
we have something that we can build upon. So whether it's it that common bond, right? Absolutely. Common bond of service yeah. to the country. Right. And if we can find a way to use that to kind of bring uh, people together to open communication lines to soften that divisiveness, then that's a great thing that we can do as an agency. And kind of selfishly, maybe a recruitment tool as well. Oh, absolutely. For sure. Michael Carrington, Statewide Veterans Coordinator for the Pennsylvania Department of Corrections. We appreciate you spending time with us today. All right. Thank you, guys. Thanks again to Michael Carrington, the DOC's Statewide Veterans Coordinator. And thanks to all the local, state, and federal partners who assist him in serving those who have served our country. For more on the DOC's Veterans Service Units, check out Corrections PA on Facebook and Twitter. This has been the Pennsylvania Prisons and Parole Podcast, a production of the Pennsylvania Department of Corrections Communications Office. For executive producer Kurt Bope, I'm Ryan Tarkowski. Thank you for listening. Until next time.